Sunday Digest, an award-winning public affairs presentation of 99.5 WGAR. Get ready for a half hour of interesting conversation with veteran Cleveland broadcaster Ken Robinson. And now, here's Ken and Sunday Digest. And good morning to you. Today on Sunday Digest, our topic is crime. For the past 20 years, the number of offenses has been declining, while at the same time, the number of prisoners behind bars has been going up. We'll find out what's behind these trends. But first, office creepers are on the rise. Crooks that sneak into office buildings stealing the personal belongings of employees. Office workers are being warned to stay alert. Mike Dugan is chief of the Independence Police Department and chief, what should we watch out for? Like, keep your purse locked inside of a drawer. If you see a trespasser, confront that trespasser. Uh, ask them what they're doing. If somebody says they're looking for work, by all means, escort them to the employment office. Don't let them wander through your complex. Uh, if you feel uneasy about anyone, please call the police department. We'll be glad to, uh, to immediately dispatch a car so we can uh, ascertain what that individual is doing in your building. Now, this is something we usually don't think ab- a lot about. We think about people maybe breaking into our homes, but we don't think about being uh, at risk when we're at work. No, that's, that's uh, uh, something most people don't think about, but uh, quite often minor thefts are committed in office buildings. On some occasions we have thefts of major items like computers. People uh, have access to a lot of office buildings. Uh, we see people wandering around all the time, and we never think anything about it. But sometimes someone may be wandering around with a, with a bad purpose in mind. This is quite true, and, and, and one of the uh, things we notice is when someone's confronted quite often, they'll say, well, gee, I'm looking for employment. It's important very early on to ascertain what somebody is doing in your office, how you can help them. This can very politely be done by the uh, business staff. And if somebody says they're looking for employment, by all means, uh, uh, escort them to the office, uh, the employment office. Uh, where trouble comes in is quite often people let somebody just wander through the complex, and then maybe an hour or two later they're calling us to report a theft. If you have valuables, uh, Purses. Don't leave those out on top of a desk. Lock them up secured in your uh, your desk where you have the key. Uh, if there's uh, somebody who you're unsure about uh, wandering through your office, by all means, if you don't want to confront them, call the police department. There are service people, uh, a lot of times technicians, uh, repair people on call. Is it always a good idea to check uh, their ID? I would ID? say anytime somebody uh, comes and wants to take away a computer terminal, uh, check the authenticity of that person. If they want to go through your complex, uh, make that extra call to ensure that they were, in fact, sent by the building management to check out a heating or, or an electric uh, problem. Uh, these are the ways that you prevent problems. Often we think about our cars. When we, you know, working in the Northeast Ohio area, we mm-hmm. drive our cars to, to work, and we you know, sometimes wonder if they're <laughs> going to be there when we get back. And we always make sure we have, you know, the doors locked and the alarm system on if there is one. But we don't think about, you know, our offices and our personal valuables that we carry around and leave in the offices. This is true. Uh, There's a certain sense of security in your home, and I believe that sense of security quite often extends to the workplace, and that's as it should be. Uh, It's just there there are a limited number of people who would take advantage of that sense of security and commit a crime uh, because people are so trusting, and what we're saying is uh, be on top of things, question strangers, secure your valuables. Uh, these kind of things can, uh, uh, these simple measures can keep uh, our city the crime-free place that it is right now.
All right. Well, this sounds like uh, good uh, tips for people not only working in Independence, but uh, all around uh, our area. Great. I hope I've helped you. Independence Police Chief Mike Dugan warning us about office creepers, crooks who get into office complexes and steal the personal belongings of workers inside. And we're talking about crime on Sunday Digest. Sunday Digest. Here's Ken Robinson on WGAR. Did you know that the crime rate has been falling for the past 20 years? A lot of folks may find that hard to believe, but FBI statistics indicate crime has been tumbling for some time now. Joining us now is David Miller, Assistant Professor of Social Sciences at the Mandel School of Applied Social Sciences at Case Western Reserve University. David, who do we have to thank for this decline in crime? There are probably several factors at play. The ones that come to mind the most are that we've got an aging population, and we know from research that as people tend to age, they tend not to be involved in some violent activity or just criminal activity in general. Uh, a second factor is that of, you know, we have a very high incarceration rate, so we've got a lot of those individuals who may be participating in that locked up uh, today. Uh, a third factor is really the economy. We have more people working. Uh, just this last uh, unemployment figures dropped down to 3.9, but underneath that, it indicated that for African-American males and Latino males of the age group, 19 to 24, I think, uh, their rate dropped to the lowest it's been in 30 years. And that's a group that has historically, you've seen a lot of the no crime numbers come out. I don't think I've ever heard anybody uh, credit the uh, the economy for, for the uh, drop in crime. That's, that's well, interesting. Yeah, if people are working, they realize they've got something else better to do with their time. They're not on the street corner. They're not cruising the boulevard. They're not just hanging around the house all day looking, you know, wanting to do something with a lot of idle time. They're working. We live in a society in which an individual's worth a lot of times is measured on what they can produce. And now we have an economy where a lot of individuals can participate in that and feel that they can be productive. Uh, they can see another way to uh, make uh, a stake in this in their community in their lives right now. Now this doesn't, you know, negate the fact that we still have a lot of ways to go. We have more, too many individuals in the Latino and African American community who aren't working and who could benefit from from job training, from further education. But right now, the economy, yes, is playing a big factor in that. And before the politicians jump on and start beating their chest about um, its police presence, yes, that has something to do with it. But it's also the economy, stupid. I think was the phrase of Jim Carville a couple of years ago. The economy is playing a big role in this. How come people don't feel less safe, though? We always hear people talking about, well, well crime is everywhere, but statistics show it's not. <laughs> that is a good question. I, and when I saw the uh, report this morning and then heard it on the radio again, I was like, okay, the fear, fear popped in. And, and I still think that that's an issue that certain uh, segments of uh, politicians still try to use as wedge issues the fear of crime. I mean, we continuously lead the world in incarceration rates. Lead the world. All countries, not just Western countries or uh, third world countries, the entire world. And each time the report comes out, we reach a new high, albeit 
you know, the percentage is much smaller, but we've already got close to 2 million people uh, in some form of correctional custody care or control. Uh, is that a good thing? Since all those people are locked up, they, they can't commit no. crimes. No, they, it's not a good thing. Some individuals should be locked up. Let's get that. But some individuals are, are caught in this madness, uh, the, the war on drugs. We, we've got that. We've got some individuals who are nonviolent uh, offenders who are locked up, and then they're being housed with violent offenders, and then, of course, just by being in there, they may pick up some behaviors and traits that aren't uh, useful when they return to the community. So this high incarceration rate, you know, we need to really look at it. Do we need to continue to lead the world in incarcerating people and not necessarily for violent crime? Now, doesn't that present a it's kind of ironic, isn't it, that violent crime is going down, but we still leave the, the world in incarceration rates, and we still have a high fear level. Something is kind of wrong with that picture, and we as a country probably need to step back and look at what this rush to uh, incarcerate so many people is really doing to many of the communities. But, that, but on the flip side, we still need to give credit to the economy for bringing a lot of people off of the streets into the employment roles and really doing things to benefit not only themselves, their families, and their communities. Now, a lot of people will say, boy, back in the old days, there wasn't any crime. I could walk the streets at night, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But these are really the good old days now, aren't they? <laughs> well, every, every generation has its version of the good old days because someone may tell me that the good old days of the 50s and 40s you could walk down your street. That if you were a white male, if you were a black male, the chances of being lynched were quite high. So I don't consider that uh, being the good old days for some segments of our population. Uh, there are still places in this country where some folks are are fearful of their safety, and they have reason to be not necessarily from the criminals, but from the law enforcement agents. So when we talk about the good old days, we need to look at it from the view of the person who's speaking it, and, and get a general sense of who's the good old days. And if we lived in gated communities with all of our shopping needs just around the corner from our homes, yes, that's the good old days. But we still have a segment of our population living in fear, living in isolation in the inner cities or in rural communities. So before people spout off about the good old days, I like to say, who's good old days? So there still remains a lot of work to be done. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We cannot rest on our laurels. We cannot rest on our laurels. We still have a long way to go. Again, what direction do you think uh, our government should take with the, the crime rate falling and people starting to feel good about crime? Which direction should we go in now? Oh, now that's, now that's a good question. I, I, I guess, you know, working around the issue you asked earlier about their fears, you know, what is it they really fear? Uh, is that fear a projection on from something else? Uh, one thing I think the government should also work on is making sure that those individuals who are incarcerated are receiving adequate treatment. We know that many individuals who are incarcerated uh, go in with substance abuse histories, extensive substance abuse histories, extensive histories of other sort of maltreatment somewhere in their, in their history, and making sure that they receive adequate uh, treatment while in there while incarcerated to really address their substance abuse and really address the lingering uh, residual stuff uh, from their earlier days. All right. Now, a lot of folks say uh, we, the media, uh, take part of the blame for making people paranoid about crime because we put it on TV. Anything that happens to anybody is a big news story now. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
you guys is kind of stuck um, in a rock and a hard place. Yeah, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You have to report the news, and people do want to know what it's about. But then you you do go overboard uh, sometimes with just constantly ad nauseum. Okay, we get the picture. We don't need to see all the intros of the person. We don't need to see all the bullet casings. This happened. Let's go on to the next phase. What I've heard uh, someone say that if it bleeds, it leads. I mean, you know, the media and the community to which the media, you know, gives or extends its product has some responsibility here. I mean, the consumer, you know, folks want to watch, you know, real police chases or animals that attack. I mean, we, we have this, you know, this constant need for, for gore, and, and the media in its responsibility to report the news and gory news sales or brings in high rating, hey, let's do, let's give the people what they want. Well, now that we're seeing or continuing to see this uh, drop in the crime rate that apparently has been going on for many, many years, it, it, is there reason to celebrate? Should we have a big party? Uh, Calm down. Uh, no? No, we, 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 we should have a party when there are no more kids are being beaten, when no one is being shot or had, or there are no more handguns in the hands of people who don't need them. Uh, when there is less social inequality, when a lot of bridges that we need to build or rebuild have been built and restructured and uh, restrengthened, that's when we can have a party. We shouldn't jump for joy now because you know things could change tomorrow. Well, we appreciate the interview. Uh, oh, I'm glad I could be of this of help. And we've been talking to David Miller, Assistant Professor of Social Sciences at the Mandel School of Applied Social Sciences at Case Western Reserve University. 99.5 I hear the train a-coming It's rolling around a bend And I ain't seen the sunshine Since I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison and time keeps dragging on But that train keeps rolling On down the side and Our look at crime continues on Sunday Digest. You know, some say the reason crime is falling is because we have more criminals locked behind bars. In fact, there are nearly two million prison inmates across the country. And here to break down the facts and figures on our inmate population is Alan Beck of the Justice Department in Washington, D.C. Alan, what has caused the prison population to rise so dramatically? Uh, the prison population has grown dramatically uh, in, uh, since 1990. It's grown by uh, over 60%. The reasons for that growth are, are uh, really do differ by the uh, uh, type of uh, of uh, authority. So at, at local authorities, uh, we're seeing some slowing of the growth in the most recent year. Local jails grew only by about 2% over uh, the last 12 months. Uh, and that's in part reflecting uh, the downturn in crime and as a consequence, a uh, decrease in the numbers of being arrested uh, for offenses during the year. We're also seeing uh, the growth, what growth that is occurring, linked to an uh, increasing number of convicted felons actually being sentenced to local jails. We're seeing 
growing numbers of probation and parole violators being held in local jails. So that's really the source of growth in, in, at, at the local level. At the state level, what we're seeing is primarily increasing lengths of stay uh, as a result of sentencing reforms, uh, various sentencing enhancements. We're seeing uh, the people going to prison today actually staying longer, particularly violent offenders. So over the course of the last decade, we've, we've seen a dramatic drop in the rates of release from prison, uh, uh, and that's a real in- indicator of uh, increasing length of stay. We've gone from an average time served for people getting out from about 22 months to uh, nearly 28 months. So we've seen a dramatic increase in the time actually served in local jails, as, as in, in state prisons. If we look at admissions to state prisons, the admissions uh, has, have been relatively uh, stable from court. However, we're seeing growing numbers of people coming back as parole violators, either because of technical violations, drug positive drug tests, or actually commissions into offenses. At the federal level, however, we're seeing very dramatic growth, nearly 10% uh, increase over the last 12 months. That's uh, nearly 11,000 new inmates. The growth of the federal population is, is really linked to increasing numbers of drug cases through U.S. district courts, increasing numbers of drug offenders being sentenced to uh, incarceration, as well as increasing numbers of immigration violators uh, uh, coming into the federal system. The compounding effect of all of this is fairly significant growth. So basically it looks like uh, crime is, is decreasing, uh, especially on the local level, but uh, we're seeing people staying in jail longer because of serious crimes and more federal crime violations. Well, yes, uh, we are seeing people staying in longer and uh, in state prisons. We're not seeing much increasing lengths of stay in, in the local jails. Now, what about Ohio? Have any uh, statistics on prison population here? Well, yes, we have uh, the uh, Ohio accounts. We saw a uh, decrease in the numbers of inmates under uh, state jurisdiction in Ohio that dropped from uh, 49,000 on June 30, 1998, to uh, about 47,000 on June 30, 1999. Relative to the rest of the nation, Ohio uh, incarcerates people on a per capita basis uh, uh, in a very similar way. The, the state average is uh, 428 uh, state inmates per 100,000. Uh, in Ohio, th- that average was 419. So for an overall incarceration of a little, a little more than half of 1% of all Ohio residents being incarcerated, that's below the national average and significantly below uh, states such as Louisiana and Texas, uh, which uh, incarcerates, incarcerate more than 1% of their state's population. And what's the national average of incarceration? The national average is about 682 per 100,000, and in Ohio it's 565. So the incarceration rate is somewhat lower in Ohio than uh, it is nationwide. I'm Ken Robinson, and you're listening to Sunday Digest. We're talking to Alan Beck, who's Chief of Prison Statistics at the Justice Department in Washington, D.C. We're talking about our prison population here in the United States. Any idea of the demo- demographic makeup of uh, prisoners here in Ohio? 
nearly 11% of black males in their uh, 20s and early 30s were incarcerated in a prison or jail on June 30th, 1999. That's uh, considerably higher than the rate among Hispanic males of the same age, which was 4%, and uh, even even greater uh, uh, than the uh, 1.5% rate among white males. Has that figure gone up or down over the past few years, you know? Well, we have seen a significant increase in incarceration uh, uh, over the last uh, uh, two decades. Uh, since 1990, we've seen an increase of 62%. What uh, has occurred, however, is that the composition, that is the, the racial distribution, has remained very stable over that time. About 42% of all local jail inmates were African-American in 1999, and that was true also in 1990, despite a 50% increase overall. And similarly, about 49% of uh, state prisoners are African-American. They were that in 1990 as well as in uh, 1999. So what we've seen here is increasing rates of incarceration uh, as the population uh, has grown. Uh, The disparities remain uh, um, fairly constant, however. Uh, uh, Black males are uh, at least uh, seven times more likely than white males to to be incarcerated, and about three times more likely than uh, Hispanic males to uh, be incarcerated, and that's remained fairly stable uh, over this period of dramatic, dramatic growth. Is that basically due to increased uh, law enforcement activity regarding drugs, the drug crackdown, or, or continuing poverty in uh, the African American community? Well, uh, that's a very long conversation in terms of underlying factors related to uh, rates of incarceration. We say that overall, uh, the greatest uh, source of growth in the 90s has not been drugs. It's, it's been violent offending. The uh, proportion of the overall growth, about half of the growth, is linked to increasing numbers of violent offenders, and that's a reflection of the sentencing reforms and changes in release policies that we've witnessed here in the last decade. So it's not about more crime. In fact, crime, violent crime has declined. It is that we've gotten tougher on on violent crime, and we're sending more violent criminals to prison relative to uh, arrest, and we're uh, keeping them there longer. And so the net result has been a growing uh, prison population. Now, for drugs, about 19% of the growth in the state prison population linked to increasing number of drug offenders at the federal level about 75% of the growth linked to increasing number of, of drug offenders uh, being sent to prison. Uh, and there are some uh, disparate impacts, uh, certainly among uh, African-American women. The greatest source of growth among African-American women is the result of increasing numbers coming in for uh, drug offenses. I was going to ask about women overall. Have we seen a dramatic increase in the number of women going to prison? Well, uh, the female population has uh, has doubled since 1990. Uh, 
the while the male populations increased uh, a little over 60 percent, uh, more than uh, 142,000 women uh, were incarcerated at mid-year 99. Uh, about 81,000 in in state and federal prison. About 60 68,000 in local jails. Even though the female population uh, has doubled uh, in this last decade. Uh, women still represent a relatively a small share of the prison population, about 6.5% of state and federal prisoners and about 11% of jail inmates. Now let me ask you a, a phil- philosophical question. Uh, a lot of people have sounded the alarm about reaching the 2 million mark when it comes to people incarcerated mm-hmm. in this country. Is this a, a bad thing? Is this a warning sign of, of a problem on the horizon? Or is this a good sign that we're we're putting lawbreakers away. Obviously, uh, the numbers are very troubling when you see uh, over uh, half a million uh, black males between the ages of 20 and 39 being incarcerated, where one in nine uh, are actually removed from the community and uh, in a state, federal, or local jail. Those numbers have uh, profound consequences, not only for the black community, but for uh, the nation uh, overall. Um, in terms of, of um, the effect on crime and whether uh, incarceration uh, uh, lowers crime, I think uh, the story is a complex one. Uh, we, we incarcerate nearly two million people, and many of those individuals are very high-rate offenders, uh, particularly among state inmates, where uh, 60% of the state inmates have been incarcerated before, uh, we know that by incarcerating those individuals, we will avert some crime. But we also know that for certain types of offenses, that uh, incarcerating an individual will not uh, necessarily stop uh, the criminal activity from going on. For drug trafficking, for instance, uh, and uh, in which uh, we have uh, nearly uh, 20% of, of drug offenders in state prisons, nearly 60% of state prisoners, uh, uh, 60% of federal prisoners being in for drug trafficking. We know for those particular kinds of offenses that uh, oftentimes uh, people step up and and um, pick up the trade when a drug trafficker is removed, another one steps in. So there's a if you will, a replacement effect. So the incapacitation effect of locking them up is significantly lowered by the fact that uh, others uh, come and uh, enter the marketplace uh, for drugs. So there is a lot of debate as to uh, the uh, impact of incarceration on that population. Well, very interesting uh, story, very complicated story, like you say. We want to Thank you for uh, chatting with us and explaining it all to us today. Thank you. Alan Beck, Chief of Prison Statistics at the Justice Department in Washington, D.C. And that wraps up our show for today. Stay tuned. More great conversation is coming up on Community Forum with Ted Lux. I'm Ken Robinson. See you next week on Sunday Digest.
This has been Sunday Digest with WGAR's Ken Robinson, a public affairs presentation of 99.5 WGAR. The views and opinions expressed on the show were those of the participants and not necessarily those of WGAR, its staff and management. Join us next week for another edition of Sunday Digest. Panoramic lifestyle clothing. Hey, look alive! Everything lights up, makes you want to shout. Talk about happiness, that's what we're talking about. You'll look great in a panoramic lifestyle t-shirt. Nobody won't bring you happiness, but we know will. Come on now, smile, get happy. Order your t-shirt today at plclothing.store. plclothing.store.